Hello, and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I am your host, Eric Tenkar, the bartender in the OSR, your main proprietor at the Tenkar's Tavern blog. This is another of the uh, designers and makers series of, I used to call them interviews, but I, they're more like chats at this point because they certainly don't have a script besides the first couple of questions. I'd like to introduce you to Ian. Ian, Welcome. Thanks for having me. I just maybe this should be your your fireside chats. I think. Oh yes, my fireside chats. I'll get the artificial fire. I'll get the electric fireplace going for this one. <laughs> uh, Ian is from Silver Belay Publishing. That's uh, him and Rocky, and uh, they've been doing this now. You you've been doing this for a little bit now, right? Yeah, what maybe maybe two or three years. Um, we I guess we kind of started things quickly um started sort of on a whim that rocky has a huge mega dungeon that he's been uh like his goal is to to publish so uh we were kind of wanted to wet our feet learn how to do things figure things out uh and continue to sort of hone that as like our our ultimate goal of of putting that out for him because it's sort of dream of his well that's pretty cool all right we'll get we'll dig we'll delve deeper into that I'm going to hit you now with the five questions, or five plus questions. We shall see. Um, as I ask everybody, tell us about your first RPG experience. My first RPG experience, uh, it was first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that an older cousin of mine had brought a milk crate full of books to uh, my grandparents down on Cape Cod one summer when we were trapped there. Uh, so okay. So we just started right in, and, and my cousin like ran us through some modules he had, um, and we went from there. We did a little bit of uh, the Dragonlance modules that summer, which are not great modules in my opinion. They're, I mean, they're great for when you're you know, ten years old because they're such a, a rail, but uh, <laughs> not too much creativity in that stuff. Well, they, they they have things like no matter what you do, the following NPC must be present in the last scene or whatever. I I kind of remember some of that. Never ran it. I must admit, but I did own it. Yeah, I don't think you were uh, missing much from them. Yeah, you're better off reading the novels, right? And the novels were at the time, you know, when I was a teenager or whatever. It was uh, popcorn fantasy. That's what I call it now. Of uh, an, an enjoyable enough read, not on the level of Tolkien or other authors, where you you reach this level of I don't know, uh, it actually being respectable. Dragonlance, even amongst my friends, was fun, but we used to joke about you know it was uh, not high quality fantasy. As kids, we read the heck out of those. Like we, oh yeah, I. I, I the, personally, the first trilogy was better than the second trilogy, but isn't that always the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, many trilogies go downhill as they get yeah. on. As, as, as they milk them further, that's usually the problem. All right, here, question number two: What is your go-to RPG system, and why? Oh, geez, um, I, I jump around a lot. Um, I'm, I mean, I often, if I, if I have to 
just start running all of a sudden. It's almost always swords and wizardry, uh, just because I know okay. those rules backwards and forwards, and um, I, I like a thinking game like that. Um, I've been running some five E lately, but uh, I, I'm classic in my gaming group for saying, "Hey, I want to run some Top Secret. Let's play Top Secret for a bit." Or, "Hey, I want to do some Shadowrun. Let's do Shadowrun for a bit." Um, and trying out new systems and uh, playing with them. Damn, I, that, that's how I was when I was younger. I don't, I don't have that ability these days to learn new systems for the most part. It's, it's a lost skill. I won't. All right, uh, race as class, yay or nay? Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of race as class. Um, I think <clears throat> even when we played systems like that when I was a kid, we'd always sort of um, uh, adjust because, you, you know, we grew up with a lot of AD&D. So it's like the dwarf was always the cleric for, you know, a good five years. And, and like the elf was almost always a ranger or a magic user. It was, so we wanted those, those extra uh, class abilities for, for the dwarfs. I mean, I remember being like, a kid and thumbing through that that second edition dwarf source book for over and over and over. I loved that one. Awesome art in that one too. Oh yeah, the uh, complete book of dwarves, which was mm, I, better written and more balanced. Than that was one of that and arms and equipment elves. were the two that I loved. Elves, I found a little. Elves and bards, you're like, yeah, the bards would. Well, the elves book had, had blade singers, which really <laughs> yep. broke the game if you allowed them in. My, my group from uh, high school and college, we get together once a year in the uh, in the late spring, and we still talk about blade singers. That's how much of an impact that one kit had on us. And it was, God, all right. It, it, um, there's in the, even three point five. It was like some of the uh, the the elf. Uh, mixed class that that sort of broke the system again. <laughs> See, I don't have much experience with uh, third edition, whether it was uh, three or three point five. I don't know the books. Don't get me wrong. I just wasn't playing like like I was until I found the OSR. So I was like a collector through uh, third edition. I guess you could say that's pathetic. All right. Where do you stand on save or die? And I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about the mechanic, I guess. Uh, I I like save or die. Um, I, I'm not okay. I'm not against that. I I feel like uh, if, if it gets to that point, you've done something stupid. Like you you should be feeling it. It it shouldn't be a surprise if you're saving or dying. So I did it, what John Hirschberger was running in North Texas and took out a couple people with a, a save or die because they just like foolhardily walked into some corridor without checking anything out in the dark and you know, poison gas got them. You know, they had slowed down, <laughs> looked around. Zach, yeah, oh, Zach definitely. All right. Uh, what would the Chena Jew think if they could see what you would accomplish in a hobby by this point in your life? <laughs> What do I? Hmm. Yeah. That's a, Yeah. That's what we're like. What? Huh? I, I, I don't think. Um, 
I think I've done a, a fair amount in the hobby. I mean, like, uh, I was pretty flattered when Matt Finch asked me to run some of his Mithras Tower stuff when he was gone. Um, so, I mean, that's a pretty huge compliment from a, a DM like him to to ask to fill his shoes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had some good-sized groups, and it was a blast. It's. Um, I think Matt knows that I'm, you know, thinking heavy, puzzle heavy, and uh, and that and, and deadly as well. Uh, so I also I'm classic for hang like hanging that MacGuffin right out in in plain view uh, to try to taunt the players into getting it, right. despite its uh, deadly consequences. Uh, but I, th I mean, I think we're we're doing well. Is this isn't? I never actually thought uh, I would be doing something in the RPG industry. I kind of just did stuff for myself. Um, you know, R Rocky sort of pushed us to it, and and I was all about it. I, you know, I think he he um he has some definite dreams and uh, goals with this, and I'm more than happy to to fill it out and help help him do it. I mean, we're pretty close friends, and and uh you know I'll, I'll be excited when we finally have you know hardcover print copies of his Mordmar dungeon and just to see where that goes and he i mean he knows the mega dungeons like like nobody else so it's something but you know i think i'd be surprised i never considered this a, a career and it, i mean i guess it isn't for us we just do it because we love putting stuff out uh we like playing we like running we like coming up with something neat something new uh something clever uh, I think that's you know, that's our goal for this is just to sh to share it. Um, but right now we're working on uh, sort of thieves adventure because he and I talk like everybody we're like oh thieves guilds and um, <clears throat> we're we're pretty f firmly believing that there's not like one thieves guild in every city as as many people often do especially when you're when you're younger. Uh, so we had that that godfather-esque sort of like, maybe, yeah, maybe there's one gang on top, but there's others there. So the module we're putting out now is sort of some of those lower level sub gangs uh, and, and some battles between so all these little vignette missions where you can do things to support a gang or to hinder another gang um, with the ultimate goal of, you know, causing uh, some displeasure from the guy at top towards the gang you dislike. Uh, but they're, And we've it's it's it's, it's you know, different, you know. It's not on. something. Uh, we shut off the adventures too, so that because we were pretty, we talked about it a lot and looked at it, and we you know bounced ideas off some friends of ours. We, you know, we chatted with Scott Skeeter because he's if he says it's good, we're like, all right, we need a good way to get out of this thing because now it's crazy, and we're you know we gotta take a step back. Uh, so I think we, we we made sure that there's you know a way to get out without being a murderous villain. Uh, you can take the middle, the middle of the murder hobo way, or you can take uh, the good way, and a lot of them sort of have okay. that uh, that moral dilemma in it. Where you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to help this innocent person? Are you going to um, kill them, rob from them? Or are you going to accomplish your mission in a way that that benefits everybody? Um, so, so not really on the rails kind of adventures. You know, we set up the settings, we set up the the characters, and kind of. Uh, toss you in the sandbox, which is nice. 
we're also working on a notoriety system for that one. So, cause we were like, how to, we wanted to make sure we got the guards in and we didn't want people just cutting throats right away. Uh, so we kind of set up a system of how, how hard the guards are looking for you, depending on what you do. So. Well, that, that's all. I, I was talking the other day, at least it came up last night in uh, Tavern Chat, too, is the whole thing about the way we run games or the way games wind up turning into these days is, like you said, it's murder hobos. Uh, there really is no parlaying. Uh, there are no captives taken by either side. Uh, defeat means death. And in a situation like you're talking about, if you if you're killing everybody that you come into contact with, that you might yeah, that's have, I mean that's uh, for sure. Different goals. With, <clears throat> I mean, I was always classic when we were younger because my brother and his buddies would you know murder my whole towns. Is that uh, and and Rocky does this too. Even now he he has like a town where um you know he's like no they they heard uh swamp cows and it's got to bleep this but they're all like fourth level rangers that are doing it so you can't go in and start cutting throats because the town is literally an army of fourth level rangers you know um i, mean, I was always classic for doing that too like yeah yeah that may look like a uh just a peasant but they're actually uh every, everybody in this town is a third level fighter because they're veterans of the you know that fierce fierce orc war that ended two years ago um and it's you know slows the players down a bit Yeah, I, I personally, I like the idea that, you know, your players are a little bit more restricted in their, their murder hoboing because it really does become a game where other options are taken off, off the plate because, you know, when your players kill, or your, sorry, the players' characters kill everything they encounter, why would anything they encounter, uh, one, give up, or two, why would you anything you encounter ever look to take prisoners if your party is defeated? You know, and that's uh, it's 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 a gameplay that when I was first playing, my parties, my players, you know, and I think we we parlayed a lot of times trying oh, yeah, to we, avoid <clears throat> we always tried to we thought were too balanced to either balanced recruit the enemies or and i don't see that these days or get them the under their pathfinder was great for that I, I know i played in a pathfinder game for, for a number of years and my character just had i just dumped everything a bunch of stuff into that those goofy negotiates and persuasion skills and i would just talk to every single monster we encountered uh you know neutral characters so i'm like oh Dark Elves, hey what's up you know what's your goal maybe we can help each other out uh you know just to try to avoid those combats so it, i think it drove the dm crazy at first until he uh, I, I definitely think he became a better dm because of it but uh it, it's it changes the way the game rolls you know wondering if everything isn't just able to be chopped up and isn't just a stupid monster but actually has some uh some intelligence behind it. I think that's why I like hobgoblins too. They're so organized and Milton. Um, but but they'll chat with you. They're lawful, you know, like they'll like they'll follow 
uh, the rules they set out that, you know, they might have evil intent at the end of the day, but, but you know, they make a deal, yep. they'll stick to it. Right. They, they, they might rules lawyer you with the deal they made. Uh, I, I know I, I've played them that way, but you know, they do have their, their word is it, it's a loose bond. It is certainly yeah, agreed. They'll, more they'll, so they'll, than uh, they'll, they'll, a, a, other their word is their limit and their bond. You, you know, that's that <laughs> they, they agree to do something, they'll do it, but that's all they're going to do. Yes. Yeah, it's, right. but I but I love that. I mean, that's right. the best way right. to like, get players they're, involved they're, they're too. I think to get exactly them. what was you know, thinking more about the big picture stuff than just uh, yeah. How do we get the best odds of chopping this thing up? Well, I remember when I was uh, playtesting D and D next. And we purposely put together a group of players, our DM did, that were, you know, three E Pathfinder players and four E and old school gamers. And uh, I remember one of the old school gamers, we were surrounded by goblins trying to protect someplace. And our, you know, yeah, the player makes this huge speech. We were, we were doing this in Hangouts and, uh, I guess roll twenty or the other BTTs back then, and the DM rolls some, you know, rolls some <laughs> dice and goes, "Yeah, you know what? You've convinced them to let you retreat." And the three, the third edition player freaked out and had a meltdown because what skill did he, he use? Common sense. But that kills me too. When, when but DMs. there's no what skill like, did he use? He didn't use a skill. He, you you can't that a player's do that. Gonna... I was like, you know, tie their shoes is gonna. You know, when you get into skills, it's, it's when you start nitpicking them like that. That just it bogs down a game so much that, like, like riding, that's a skill that always kills me. People go, well, you can't ride without riding. It's like, no, you, you can't ride in full plate at a full gallop on a warhorse with a lance through a, a raging battle, but you can ride down the road. Like it's that's not challenging. It's not. It's not. There's no reason to use a skill if there's no challenge involved. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The like the 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 average, you know, uh, well, maybe not a peasant, but the average commoner who's on a horse. Maybe he's uh, passing passing messages back and forth. He's not wearing armor. He's not armed. He doesn't expect to get into combat. You know, a lot of the skills that got introduced, uh, I guess, way back in the uh, the Wilderness Survival Guide, the Dungeoneer Survival Guide. Uh, I, I the idea we we embraced it right away, of course, because every book that came out with one E, we embraced. But uh, the skills which you you would think would open up the game until we adjusted those first couple of months, they limited the game because we did have that mindset of if you don't have the skill, you can't do it. And there's a lot of things you kind of go, it's like, it's almost like, 
what if I don't have a skill to climb a ladder? I can't climb a ladder. Uh, you know, it's you have to. I, I like you said, you common sense. There are basic abilities that basic skills that people generally share. At least they would in this world, these fantasy worlds, or whatever science fiction. You know, I don't think that any, you know any, any character yep, on a anything, spaceship. Should but uh, I do like fifth edition. I think is. Has but gone a long way towards combat in the sort of grounding a lot of that yeah. stuff too with their proficiency and like profession, um, and and making it a little bit uh, more achievable for players. And I mean, I've I've used that, and I explore. I, I have a, a like a real heavy three five player in my group that I run the fifth, the fifth edition game for, and it's been a struggle with him when he's like, "Well, how do I do this proficiency?" How do, and I'm like. Don't worry about it. Like, just you know, like if you you were a sailor, you know how to sail. Like, you can you can start helping other people. Oh, you don't have it. You can learn how to do it. You and sort of setting up some systems for that, but not making it uh such a die roll heavy system that uh it, it you know bogs down the game. Like those fourth edition skill challenges, which were terrible. Uh, to be honest with you, and again, I I owned the the core books for free and the, the different DMGs that came out. And the DMGs were interesting reading, and I even had the yeah. uh, the what the trade paperbacks when they kind of like did four E light or yeah. whatever they wanted to call it. I couldn't. I, it was weird. So it was the last gasp of trying to make some money off the system before they let it go. But. uh you know, I, I I never fully grasped 4E as to how I could play it out because it didn't seem to play out. Like third edition, I could read the books. You know, I I, I think I I played one online session of 4E. I, it was easy enough to see the progression from 2E to 3E, but the progression from you know going from third edition to 4E well, just kind of went straight into those. those I mean, they, they made the jump with that that three five. All of those miniature war games, essentially, that they put out with that huge mini line, which you know was one of one of the reasons they survived was all those sweet minis. But um, you know, four was that they they were like, well, all right, how do we make this miniature war game into D and D? And it and you know, I guess it worked for that. But I mean, it was it's a slow game because it's it's like playing, you know, Warhammer with a small group. Uh, and everybody takes forever to do all these things, and it's just you know not not a great system to play a role playing game in. Um, yeah, I I I think that their plans had the idea that the VTT that with it on a vine was somehow going to enhance play and, and speed it up. And when the VTT and its uh, planned, I guess, marketing of pay-as-you-go uh, didn't happen, uh, I I think that... Yeah, and, and, and that, that's actually... A, you're you're probably it, right about I've that, because especially with, like, that was always I the promise of this... Integral to that online system that would make things easier, and it just never came to fruition. 
Yeah, and I really should do another. And there's still, I mean, it, it, it wasn't that long ago. You could still chat that. with people and, like, get them on the record and hear a bunch of people, you know, explain from, from their point of view or their memories what, what, what occurred. It would be inter- that would be interesting. Oh, it would be, but then you also have like the the the, the crime drama that that is on the outside of that one, with what happened with the uh, main programmer, and you're just like, you, yeah, you that was, uh... turn your head and you go, wow. This <laughs> that is, was, I think that was about those, the same like, time. Uh, what know, what uh, Catalyst and Shadowrun Two were having all sorts of weird legal issues with their was it the the Wild West of the late nineties, early two thousands. It, it was a, it, yeah, it was it was it was a very strange uh, strange time in the hobby. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was the dark days, but it certainly was a very uh, strange time to be collecting because you just didn't you didn't know which companies were going to be around in a year or two to support the products that we're putting out. You could just see it on the writing on the wall. That's why a lot of these companies, uh, some of them got bigger, like FASA got bigger and then imploded and became Catalyst and then <clears throat> spun off FASA after it was FASA Interactive. Oh, the, I, that one I would actually... Yeah, I'm sure there's, get, uh, but, there's some uh, deals that Wikipedia people can't talk about. <laughs> refresh my memory on what happened with FASA. That one flamed up and then flamed out. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure you're you're like me. You you get you go to these conventions and you talk to people and that are involved in the industry. And before <laughs> yep, the conversation, yeah. I've had a few starts, of those conversations. The, and this can't be repeated or blogged about or talked about. It's like, fuck. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like, oh man, I got this great. It would make you have for to do a law and order style reenactment, like, yeah, like a like a radio play for I those. I couldn't even hint at this. Huh? It's just like, oh <laughs> god, kills me sometimes. Yeah, and then just so we get a bunch of people and just act it out, but it will be a very similar script. Oh, that would be the names names to protect the innocent. Yeah. Very yeah, very similar, but all company names would be like. Totally changed. It's like, you know, I'm sure Matt's like Tomo a random Adventure table. Like, right, it, so. Make three rolls in a random table for your company name, and then we'll use it in there. It has everything else. I pray, you know, damn. That that isn't. That's actually an interesting thought to drag that book out. And uh, I'm going to roll some random game company names using the Tome of Adventure design as an influence. <laughs> And then I can That's what, hey, I'm, I, I am about. willing to play a part in that mm-hmm. radio drama. That would be fun. Wouldn't that be interesting? You're a bit influenced, Ian. It'd be like re- recording an episode of The Shadow. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a kicker. Yeah, we can always do it at one of the conventions. That's, you know. Listen, when we were doing the, uh, the uh, James and Gwen, we're doing the fake commercials at North Texas podcast. You know, we would uh, generally speak, like the like the big one, which had even Rach uh, as a voice in it. We just did what we improvised it, 
uh, on the spot and did a dry run, said, holy shit, this is good. Can we pretty much kind of keep the script? And it was like, yeah. And then we, the second one was the, the first one we recorded was the one you that come was, do uh, a commercial with us. Uh, Silver Blay and uh, Skeeter Green Productions will have a room. North path. Texas will be running a lot of games and, and doing some stuff. So it should be should be a blast. Yeah, it should be a blast. We're, we got a lot of stuff planned. Um, well, that sounds like a plan. Uh, so what we've got uh, a setup of. Well, we, right, so we basically grabbed a big us, private room. Um, we will have uh, product for sale, uh, but that's, as you have met Rocky, Skeeter, and I, uh, taking a whole lot of time to try to push people to buy stuff is not something that we're always after. We want a game, so uh, we'll be running a lot of stuff. We'll be running everything from Cthulhu to uh, settings from stuff that's either just been released or is oh, yeah. uh, like going to be released by... All three of us. I know Skeeter's got um, huge map too. That of he he uh, shower curtain mapped it for for one of his adventures. Yeah, the the map is cool too. Um, j- just the map design is is great too. I was doing some some line drawn mapping stuff for him for that. That look, you know, that classic look. Um, and that looks great. We'll have a bunch of our our thieves settings in there, um, and definitely be doing some Cthulhu. I know. Uh, Alex Cameron was was asked was interested in running a couple quiet games in there because it's you know a setting away. So we'll definitely have a, a a good a good lineup of great DMs running stuff the the whole time, and you know people are welcome to come in and check it out, uh, or just hopefully sign up for some games. It'll be a blast. Yeah. This is always a blast. Yeah, we like Texas. I was I'm a little disappointed. Game holds on Halloween next year. I'm still trying to figure that out, but we'll see see what happens with that. Yeah. Now that I I saw that too, and I I don't I don't have any young kids. My my son's 25. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm going, it will be with my whole family. Uh, so she likes to get that's for sure. Involved in yeah, it might be fun. We got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. The four-year-old will be well, she'll be five by then, but she she can be a handful. Well, that'd be cool. That's <laughs> and she's probably oh, the most sure. like me. She's uh, and she's, she can, and she's your she's child, something. so she's, <laughs> she's, got, got she's a good kid. <laughs> oh, I'd expect nothing less. But I just expect. <laughs> I'm sure she will. You know, she's going to be uh, make sure that she, she'll make sure that she makes her presence known. Uh so we've got that. Uh, so tell me, and, the Thieves and, War and one going on. Uh, um, what do you and that, have That's our next one. We're we're pretty much written on that one. We're gathering art, which is I think. For small publishers, is the, the biggest challenge because our costs are are not inexpensive. So, um, you know, that's a process for us to try to get good art that isn't just stock art, which is kind of the next move for us. Um,
Okay, I'd like to see that. Art can be a huge cost. I own a, I I own more stock art than any company would probably ever need to use. Like because I've, I every time I find yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much any a lot of our profits have been turned back into art. So you know we own some stuff outright where we have exclusive rights, but uh, I've kind of been I've learned a lot of mapping recently. Uh, I've really improved my mapping uh, quite a bit. I guess people are telling me it's it's better than than average now, so that's always good. Um, and I know, like Alyssa Faden's been sort of teaching me probably how to use the Illustrator and and actually draw on some of that. So I've got uh, some. I can send you some of those files too. You can just kind of look at what we're doing. But um, it's been a very minimal amount of time I've put into it. But I've you know that having someone like that you can bounce questions off of really oh cool like shapes that learning curve down um and, the, <clears throat> and my line drawn stuff is really improved just by like chatting with glenn seal and some some other people um but it's, it's makes you yeah, I, uh, I think makes it's it's it, just that will reduce our costs i, I think which is because you, know, you could easily spend thousand dollars getting you know four maps um oh yeah uh, that's why i've been uh trying to play around with uh different mapping programs that are allow you to use the end result uh commercial free so you don't have to necessarily be a highly skilled uh, cartographer to get something that looks decent. You're not going to get something yeah, that but looks amazing. She's like the Pablo yeah, Picasso of uh, level, that's for sure. But stuff that map making at this point. Her, there's a, there's a couple people yeah. with the, the mapping skills at this point. It's, it's all women, too. Oh, my God. Um, that I think currently right now are yeah. the yeah, best mappers out there. Yeah, there's two or three of them that are just amazing. Like, you can't even. It's not. It's not a league. I'd, I'd get it, but I can get a in uh, decent, probably right. decent stuff. You know, you can play. Uh, yeah, single A, double A ball. Uh, I'd be happy to be a single A uh, mapper. I think I could be very happy with that kind of a skill. Nowhere, nowhere near the majors, but you know. Yeah, like it's. A, I, I'd say I'm like a you know, an, not, an NFL you know, lineman at this point. I can, you know, I'm making three hundred grand so. a year. I'm I'm not a star. <laughs> I get a I get a good hit in a season, and that's it. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey. Right. You know, you you just don't want to screw up. Okay, it's like let me do my job. Yeah, I'll send you a couple of the because I do a lot of like practice stuff now, but I send you some of the stuff that let my work prove uh, me and don't let me screw up. Pretty pretty happy with it. I'll email you some stuff that you can post, uh, take a look at, and they can free to use. That I'm just just stuff to to learn and get better. Um, but awesome. But that we're doing.
that always Rocky and I have um, sort of two back burner projects we kind of always work on. And one of them is like, uh, like a, a puzzles and traps book that we always kind of, you know, think of something and, and toss in there. Um, but that's cause that's something that I think people struggle with and, um, and we want people to be able to, to, to use okay. a bunch of different traps and a bunch of different door traps that aren't just the same poison needle aren't just the same, uh, sort of thing like that. And we've got some, some good puzzles in there. I've got a, a couple I, I really like that we're saving for that, but that one's not a, that's sort of the one that we're, we're always like, Hey, we should just keep working on that. And we just, you know, then one, one of us will put a couple more things in it. So that, that one doesn't really have a time frame. And then we're always sort of working on Rocky's Mordmar. He's, he's, you know, digging that dungeon. He's got a good method for that where he, uh, instead of mapping out like this giant dungeon, he like, it's, I don't want to say it's modular. That that might not be the the term that he's using for it, but it's it's like set pieces almost, like okay. on each level. Like these are the the five or six important like places on this level of this dungeon, um, and he kind of describes them really really well and kind of writes them. But the nice thing about those too, I like I, that I really like the way that uh, that that those are being created is that uh, like you don't have to take the whole mega dungeon. You might just, you know, like that statue square, or you might just like that, that you know, the bath that he made, and you can easily pluck it out and stick it into your game anywhere you have it, um, which is nice. <clears throat> right. That's always fun, and I, I, I'm a very large proponent of stealing from published material for your home campaign, but not necessarily taking the whole cloth, but taking bits and pieces from different sources. And it keeps your players in your toes, especially if you have players in your groups that are, like, like me, like collectors of every new published, uh, I don't want to I don't want to say a piece of shit, but every new thing that gets published in the OSR I got to keep myself from grabbing everything because, you know, I'm a hoarder of OSR books and uh, it's, it's hard when your players, some of your players are the same. Cause it's like, I, I agree with that. This. The other so, thing we've so been doing, so, so Rocky has a lot of that Mordmar stuff is, and it's like a dwarven up. city beneath the mountain. Keep That's up. just um, pretty, it's, he's got a whole history for it, which is great. But um, I've sort of been doing surrounding area stuff for, world building but same way like we do like our thieves one is set in a city that we've actually it's on the list of been mapped for that city um but we just we want a city that you could drop anywhere it's not you know there's not it's you know guys king is ruling that city that's it but it could easily fit into whatever thing you have because it's you know just a city um and and it's you know a short piece around its environs it's not this huge expansive map um, that, that, you know, we're have to worry about sticking and making match other stuff. Uh, and I think that that's, that's something that he and I as, as users of, of modules and other material, that's something that was, you know, pretty important to us is that when, when we're putting out stuff that you can right. take it 
um, and easily drop it into to you know that homebrew setting that we know you're using random pieces of modules for. Um, and hopefully one of those random pieces will be something that we put together. It's you know what I find that it's the most realistic approach that that we've encountered. Right. A lot of people are making uh, you know these like huge settings that you know you, you've got your own world, you've got your own stuff in there. He's like, uh, and we know that that's how I run. That's how he runs. That's uh, and it really is a matter of like, like all right, well, you're not going to the module's tough to use if everything around it you know we don't want to go to the forgotten realms it played out for me um right. you know i want something new and how do i just grab one thing and stick it in there and i think we really want to cater to that too is that you know you want a sweet mega dungeon with a whole bunch of dwarves grab rockies mega dungeon it's amazing like uh you know you want a cool city with like a well-developed uh, uh set of businesses and you know cool thieves guild opportunities grab this stuff use that um, but we don't want to make it so that uh, you need the whole world map to do that wow that's uh, a plug a plug and play setting or a plug and play mega dungeon there's a market for that. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this. this. This is the first I've heard of it, so therefore, actually, it's going to be the first a lot of people have heard about it. I'm looking forward to this. That's cool. Yeah, we're getting there. We're hoping uh, eventually it'll be. We keep debating on like what are what, what are we going to do is to kickstart something, but it it'll probably be um, some Iraqi stuff for for Mordmar that will be our our first foray into Kickstarter, which. You know, for us at least, means it'll be written. We'll have a bunch of as much art as we can afford, um, mm -hmm. and you know, we'll, our layout will be done, and then we'll just be using anything from Kickstarter to uh, paper printing and, and additional art, um, or, or you know, replacing art that we don't like as much with really awesome art. Hopefully, that's you know my unofficial Kickstarter, and you're you're. You're hitting all the points where I want to go ding, ding, you know, perfect, on the money, that's it. Those are the basics to Kickstarter success to give yourself a good foundation is to, is to have it written, really, is what it comes down to. Yeah, we'd, it, I mean, if, before we'd even consider it, we'd be, I mean, knowing Rocky and I, we'd be done with layout. So, and we would just be like waiting for art. But really, for us, it's like that, you know, Kickstarter funds is an access <laughs> to stuff that we would um, that you be able to get. I, I, I love it. At least this time, it's not my dog in the background. She's, she, she's patiently waiting in the, the next room for me to, when I sign off, she'll start barking because she knows, okay, daddy's done. I can now. That was just because my wife, my wife got home, so she's protecting the house. She's like, she's like, she's like, you know, somebody's at, daddy, somebody's outside. You need to know. Donka does the same, but she does it more like, daddy, daddy, it's mommy, mommy. <laughs> oh, I, now there, there you go. <laughs> there we go. She's go, going back and forth. She's like, she heard my name, my name, my name. 
Well, you know what? On, on, on that note, I think we've hit a good spot to wrap this up. Well, so we're going to have the uh, dogs doing the podcast for <laughs> uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, no, I, thanks for having us on or having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, it's Silver Boulay. If you can hear me over the door. And uh, as always, uh, God bless. Roll your dice well. Stay healthy. And I will talk with you all tomorrow. Later, folks. Thank you.